Hey there, and welcome back to the second season of the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. We have some amazing interviews for you this spring. First of all, we talk about how to align with the seasons of the moon. We also touch in on maternal mental health and finding your purpose and passion inside and outside of motherhood. Remember to subscribe and send the podcast to your friend who might benefit from it. We all could use a little more empowerment these days. See you inside the episode. Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. One of my favorite things that Catherine has said to me is, it's not your fault. What a relief. It's not your fault either. Money is a language. And no one is born speaking the language of money. It has jargon that is completely its own. And we need to give ourselves grace to learn this new language because mastering a new language is hard. Money is also energy. And learning to harness this creative force and put it to work in our lives and in our businesses takes a certain level of expertise. So join me and Catherine Pomerantz as we talk about how we can master our money. Hey there, and welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges. And today I have the pleasure of joining Catherine Pomerantz. And today we're going to talk about money and how we can master our money with our partners. So before we dive in, Catherine, would you introduce yourself to our listeners, let them know who you are, what you do in the world, and also what empowerment means to you? Yeah, thank you so much. I have been looking forward to this interview for a long time in in the very much in the spirit of what you do, we've had to reschedule a couple of times to make room mm-hmm. for life. And so I've had a long time to think about this question. I've had a long time to think about what I want to come to this. And I just first want to acknowledge how wonderful I think the content that you put out in the world is, how wonderful like the energy and the light that you put out is. And I love how when you introduce this podcast, you talk about the roles that we learn. Mm-hmm. Um, because this so beautifully mirrors my own work as an accountant and as a money mentor, I think I fundamentally help people re-examine the role that money plays in their life and business. So there's a lot of synergy here. Mm-hmm. I I call this method money storytelling, and it's both a money mindset and a management method that brings and like pulls from my background as a writer and as a storyteller. So first to intro me and then to talk about empowerment. I have been fascinated with storytelling as an art form since I was a kid. I think it's just something, I think all humans are called to it, but I think I have a particularly strong call to it. I always liked poetry. I always liked writing, I like design and performing and music and animation. And I 
you know, I took classes and all of these things. I had extracurriculars and all of these things. And then my formal education in my early career also followed this. I was an actress and a dancer. I really thought my dream job was to be a combination like choreographer, director for a while. And I wrote and I self-produced a lot of work. So I understood storytelling very intimately and I understood every possible element you could bring into storytelling, but I didn't know how to make any money doing that. <laughs> Infamously, this group, uh, this group creatives in general are not <laughs> focused on making money. Um, there's a lot of scarcity mindset and bad vibes <laughs> around <laughs> wealth. Yeah. And frankly, I just wanted a different story for my life and for my legacy. I, my husband and I, even when we first started dating, he was always very open about his desire to be a father and his desire sparked my own desire because I really wanted to see this person become a father. I really wanted to do that together. I thought that would be a lot of fun. And so even though my daughter is now only 18 months old, I have been thinking about motherhood for the 12 years that, you know, I have been in this relationship. I wanted to, I've always been so curious about, okay, if this is everything that my husband wants from his life and his professional career, career, and this is everything I want from my life and my own professional development, how is motherhood going to fit into that? And how can we craft our lives so that we can get everything that we want out of them? And so money has become a very important teammate in this conversation and in crafting that story. And so my number one value as a person is freedom. And I've always thought that money will give me freedom. But I've come to realize even very recently that freedom is the ability to recognize and exercise your own power in any situation. And so freedom and power or empowerment, mm. um, although I am, I am owning the much more masculine, much more triggering word power as much mm. as I can as a human. Mm. So freedom and power and wealth, it all becomes elements of the same thing to me. And you have had all these beautiful conversations recently on the show, at least at the time of us recording this mm -hmm. about mental health and about sisterhood and intentional community and embodiment and all of these underappreciated aspects of the self. And I am so excited today because if we want to talk about self-care and about all of the different roles that we play, I mean, we've got to talk about wealth. Yes. So I'm really, I'm really excited to start the conversation with your audience. Yay, I'm so excited too. <laughs> okay. So empowerment. So talk to me about empowerment and freedom and how those two go together for you personally. Yeah. Well, and this is, a, I mean, I'll just jump off. We said that we wanted to talk about, you know, working with our partners and having tough conversations with our partners about money. So empowerment, recognizing our freedom and recognizing our power in any situation, I think is about becoming more of ourselves, if that makes sense. Mm. And so in preparing for this interview, knowing that we wanted to talk about partnership in all the different roles in our lives. I mean, we don't talk about money and how that affects our partnerships. I found myself resistant to this topic at first because oh, I'm not a couples therapist. I mean, what do I really know? I mean, I'm not a love, I'm a love coach, right? I mean, I, and I've, I've barely dated my husband. And I've been together for such a long time that you know, he's like the last person I, I remember being with. So I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And I'm just like, but 
I have also been having conversations with a person who really doesn't like money and is really triggered by it and is really stressed out by it. And we have very successfully built um, a much bigger personal fortune than we started with and very successfully built a life that we're really proud of and careers that we're really proud of. And so, yeah, I have a lot of expertise in this area to share. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is related to empowerment. This is an aspect of myself that I need to embrace and show more fully. And so I think that very often when we talk about empowerment, it's just about there's all these different aspects of ourselves. There's all these different roles that we can play, all these different things that we know how to do well. And we get to own that. And we get to put our own spin on that. And we get to really like embody and take possession of that. So I've done a lot of work in my money, obviously, is that being my particular area of expertise. And today I'm going to do it a little bit more in my uh, couples <laughs> couples therapy. Of course not. I'm not a therapist, but yeah. we're playing with that today. That's where we're that's where we're going today with it. So and I think it's all ultimately related to my idea of money storytelling is that I do believe I get to design my ideal life mm-hmm. and business. And money is a huge part of that conversation. It's a great tool for that conversation. So I'll pause for breath before I just keep talking at you. Any, okay. Anything? <laughs> this is so good. Okay. So story, the element yeah. of story. And I agree with you. I find story incredibly compelling. Story is the way for generations we have passed on, you know, mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. And history often comes from one perspective, And so what I hear you saying is what perspective are you taking around the story of your money? Because you could have a whole variety, an endless variety of Mm -hmm. perspectives. So which one are you taking an empowering stand on? Which story is the story that you are choosing? Yes, absolutely. I think stories are how we give meaning to our world and to the events that happen to us. When we talk about a historical context, But I think it also then becomes what is the meaning and the vision and the mission and the values that I want to embody, right? That I want to be, that I want more of for my future. I think we can do past storytelling. I think we can also do future storytelling. Mm. And I think that that's related to that empowerment aspect is that I get to pick how this story I am a hero within my story right now, so I can take action to affect that story's outcome. That's fundamentally how I view the world. It's very playful, right? On the good Mm -hmm. days, it's like, oh, this is fun. And on the bad days, it's like, well, there's never any good story without a lot of conflict, right? And sometimes heroes are unwilling heroes, but they make it to the end of the story. And if I want my story ending to look a certain way, how can I adjust for that? How can I how can I take some action now to get more of that? And so on a big level, I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, I totally recognize and accept that. Or I mean, maybe not. Sometimes that this might be a new idea to some people. But I think if you've done any sort of like, you know, self-help work, it's like, okay, yes, I've got ownership and I'm working to exercise my ownership. I'm working on that power. It's that money element that you know, is sort of the weird new mix in that. But I don't think that it's as odd as people might first assume. Money, like everything else created by humans, is affected by humans. And since humans are natural storytellers, we want to tell money or we want to tell stories with our money. We can't help it. 
money fundamentally, when I start reading financial reports and I start digging into all these different numbers, I am receiving information about the value and about the direction and energy and decision making that that company is making. So, you know, the world's best investors, they can read financial reports and tell if it's a good company to invest or not because they're fluent in money's language. They can smell the bull, the, excuse me, the, the, the nastiness in a story. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they know whether or not to invest in it. They, they, we as humans, because we're natural storytellers, we know whether or not something is a good story or whether we're being lied to and the story mm-hmm. doesn't pass water, right? So that is an ability we can give ourselves. That's an ability that we can do when we come at our numbers and at these things that are usually very overwhelming. There's a lot of jargon. There's a lot of expertise and knowledge and options and all, all these things to learn and know that can get really overwhelming really fast and it can be very tedious without meaning. And so because stories give something meaning, if we assign like the the things we want in our life and our numbers are giving us feedback about those things and how close we are, all of a sudden that becomes part of that playfulness and that funness of like, oh, I get to pick my story. I'm a hero and I I get to pick how my end goes. And money is just a way of like actually reading my story in real time and getting some feedback about it. A perspective is helpful when it comes time to talk about money as well, because talking about money is really difficult. (laughs) Um, It brings up a lot of emotions and it brings up a lot of our past. Every, Every person who's ever been in our life has a really strong attachment to money. And just like every other attachment, that attachment can be secure or insecure. It can bring up traumas. There's all sorts of like things that we have been taught about money that may or may not be accurate and that may or may not be tied to positive memories. In fact, a lot of very traumatic things that can happen to a family have really strong financial elements, right? Health issues, losing a job. Um, you know, all, all of those types of traumatic things that cause moving and loss of community and, and, you know, loss of mobility or, you know, other health things and just ongoing stuff always also comes with a bill, always comes with a cost. And so money inadvertently becomes just part of the stress, right? So all that to be said is like our past stories with money make it difficult to talk about, Right. And we want to kind of reframe the events and the bad things that happened to us without making money the reason or the cause or the attachment. Just like you can have friends that can let you down or support you through difficult situations, money can let you down or support you through difficult situations. And so if we're going to talk about money, it's important to understand our personal stories and it's important to be curious and open to the stories that our partners are going to bring to. So... (laughs) I have done a lot of work on my own personal stories around money, right? I'm a money expert. I coach other people in money. I, you know, I, I have all this expertise about like the, the actual jargony technical side of money. So I talk money all the time, every day. My husband does not. And in fact, because we've been together so long, he had the great benefit of never having to think about money ever. He basically went from a position where he was a student and then a graduate student. He went and got a PhD. And so he was still very reliant on his parents for financial 
support and decision-making to being married. And I was in charge of all the financial support and decision-making. And so we had wildly different experiences and understanding of even our own finances, even though we shared everything. And it took a lot of work to get to a place where I got curious and open about his experience with money. And that was where we had to start the conversation, right? That's where I start the conversation with my clients. I want to hear about your story first and foremost, so that I can advise you on the types of financial tools that would be helpful right now. And you need to do the same thing with anybody in your life is like, and we're not even talking financial tools, right? We're just talking about budgets or spending. Mm-hmm. You want to get really clear on together. What is our values and our vision for our future? What's the story that we want to tell? Where's the story that we want to go with this? And once you do that, then you can talk about the technical aspect. Then you can talk about, okay, these things are important to me. So I'd like to spend on them. And these things are important to you. So we need to reserve so you can spend on that too. And that's also why when you come into conflict around these things with money, it can feel so hurtful because often what's actually happening is it's not that somebody is like spending too much money or, you know, making decisions you don't necessarily agree with. They're telling you, they're giving you the feedback inadvertently, most of the time, hopefully. I don't value the same things you value, and I don't value you because I'm going to be irres- irresponsible. That that can be a loaded term, but I'm going to do something you feel is irresponsible with our money. Um, and you know, if you're both, especially if you're both breadwinners, like, especially if it's a big decision, it's like, well, how many hours did I have to work to earn that money? And you basically just threw it away, right? And even then I'm just like all the information, right? It's about like, here's all the ideas and all the things that get wrapped into this. And it's so important to really get down to those basics then. It's like, okay, if we're going to come together as a partner, as a partnership, right? What is this partnership for? Where are we headed? What is our vision for our future? And what do we value? Mm -hmm. That's where we need to start. And then every conversation can grow from that including all the financial conversations, including, okay, if we want to invest in our children in the future, what does that look like in what specific ways? Maybe I really care about education, but maybe my husband doesn't as much. And so I would love to throw thousands and thousands of dollars into a college fund and get the tax deduction. Doesn't that sound juicy? But he doesn't value education as much. He would much rather be like, I'd want to buy them a car because I know that you can't get employed unless you have a car, right? Oh, Those are both really important things, both things kids need. And maybe we can afford both and maybe we can't, right? Or maybe I don't care at all about a car and they should just be able to figure it out. And so, okay, now we need to talk and now we need to distill down to the value and what we want to do going forward. Or maybe we need to figure out like how to get both, right? I mean, that's one tiny example of of a thousand examples that we've touched on. But yeah, that's, I mean... That that's what talking about money is like sometimes, right? <laughs> I mean, often, often talking about money feels like we avoid it because it's hard. Yeah, we haven't been taught how to do it. Um, yeah, I I can speak from my own perspective, which is um, all of the uh, logistics around money feel. Mm-hmm hard for me to keep track of this is in this account this is over here how much do we want to kind of like you were saying about college or car 
how would you recommend starting? Like, how do we build a foundation with our partner where we both feel like we are here? I know often one of the partners, like you said, in your relationship is Mm -hmm. more like here than the other. How can we both like arrive equally so that then we can have that conversation? Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that question. The foundations of the conversation I've already laid out, right? Mm -hmm. And it really is that same conversation repeated and increased in frequency. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I meet weekly to talk about our money. Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to our mutual mentor, Kate Northrup, who talks about having money dates, right? She's not the only one, but I I learned the word money date from her. So we have money dates once a week where we meet as a family and we go over the spending for the week, what we need to invest in in order to get the support for that week. So, okay, we need to buy these these birthday presents or these Christmas presents. We need to, you know, maybe we need to order dinner in one night because you're going to have this event at work, right? So we go over all the different ways that our money needs to be given a job in order to meet our agreements. Those conversations didn't used to happen weekly. Mm. Now it can happen weekly and it's boom, 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 boom. It can be very technical and the details are easier to manage because we do them regularly and because there is clarity about what's important to us. And if you're just getting started and this is a very fraught conversation, don't need to get too technical too fast. Mm. You can just start with what do you value and what's important to you? And then I think you can gently and slowly introduce the math, which again, feels too basic and too foundational and, oh, I hate math. And I mean, I actually genuinely am not a math. Actually, my neither my husband and I are math people. It's very interesting, <laughs> even though I'm an accountant. Um, but it's, it's a tool like anything else. Yeah. And one of the things that got both of us on board was seeing the math play out in real time. So mm-hmm. if you are the partner who is listening to this and I am better at money and I know that it's important for us to save and I know how much things cost because I'm the one who's always tracking it and paying attention to it. It's important to get your partner to a space where they can talk about their values and you can share the numbers with them so that it's really clear and they don't have to feel so afraid because money doesn't lie. It's very black or white. It is this or it isn't this, right? Mm. And so that clarity can feel really reassuring if you can clear some of the gunk and give it that meaning again, this is supporting my kids, right? And we've picked a number that we need to save monthly in order to meet our buy a car fund or pay for college fund to use that example again, right? Or this is, we just, okay, say we bought a car, here's the loan amount, right? And here's what we need to pay in order to pay this off. And say debt, being debt-free is a super huge value, not being dependent on others, being independent is a super important value to your family. Then how much can we pay down on this debt as quickly as possible to get that freedom back, to get that independence back? And maybe that's where we need to start prioritizing this. And so those conversations can be much more about getting that feeling and that experience. And then we can get technical, right? And so if one person, if you're the person who's good at tracking all the details, focus on the feeling, focus on the experience. If you're the person listening who is not into the technical details, if you're not the Catherines of the world, if you're the Isabels of the world, (laughs) yeah, it's important to also understand the math, but you can look at the more the big picture math, 
right? I would encourage you to look at like, okay, if I don't want to have to think about this, what's the financial foundation I need in order to not think about it? I encourage you to look at automating bills. I encourage you to look at, have a very clear, consistent spending plan and or budget for the family, whatever word you want to use, but just a very clear, this is the direction my money needs to go so that I know I'm safe within this. I can spend whatever I want within this Mm. bubble because this is my safety bubble, right? So my husband is much more that that way. So he gets a certain amount of money every month for me that I said, you don't even have to run this past me. It's all yours. Do whatever you want with it. Right. This is, this is your, this is your fun money. Go. Right. We have the same thing with, we've got a safety bubble for our cars, for our travel. That that's the way that we give ourselves that freedom and that openness is we know the container that we want to be held in. Mm -hmm. And above that, we know the overall way of being wealthy is to save and invest more year after year after year. So as we progress in our careers, we already have decision ideas about where that money is going to get sent, right? Mm-hmm. And the math is very clear to my, That's what really got my husband on board is that math of, oh, you mean because of compound interest, I can be a millionaire without putting in a lot of effort if I just invest regularly and as much as I can. Well, that's kind of cool, right? And so for all of those people who don't like the technical details, keeping in mind that money can make more of itself if we're giving it clear jobs and we're investing it wisely and that that technical education can lead to a lot more of that value I want where I don't have to think about this or worry about this all the time and I don't have to be so like frugal and so stressed about it all the time that some of that front loading of your education and your methodology and learning to make this a lifestyle that's that's real freedom, right? If this is just my ritual of just how I treat the money and then it just becomes automatic and then I just go, like you're good to go. So, I mean, again, I don't, it's everyone's always like, is that really it? It's so simple. I'm like, it really is it. It's really so simple. Let's start with the values. Let's start with our vision for our future. And then let's just work on becoming curious and holding space for each other as we work through all those past money traumas and we can show up for that conversation more regularly, right? Once a quarter is fine if you can only do this every couple of months. Once a month is better. Once a week is great, right? But all of it's good or bad. I mean, whatever pace works for your family works for your family. It's really okay. You don't have to match my pace in order to have a lot of success with this. And I would be genuinely curious and open to your partner and their response more than anything else. I wouldn't push towards, well, this is how we should be doing it. And we should be having more money conversations. I wouldn't be springing it on them. I would be very honest. This is really important to me. I really value this. Let's, can we talk about it? Can we set time aside to talk about it where you know this is what we're going to talk about? So it's not this big, scary surprise and you're not, they're not feeling attacked and they're not feeling un- unsettled, right? Their nervous system is ready for that conversation. And that, I mean, that it just takes practice, but it, it, it really works. So, uh, and I think it works for a lot of things, but it, it works really, really well for money. Yeah, I love that you said it takes practice because what you're what you're saying is it takes habit building, mm-hmm. and this is something that you it's something that you have to do consistently, like any other habit: brushing your teeth, going to the gym, whatever. Yeah. So, what is that habit? Like, if you were to just give us like one habit on a silver platter, what is the habit that if we begin it today? A year from now, we our life will be different because we started with this one money habit. Mm, oh my God, that's such a great question. That is such a beautiful question. 
I've done so many, I talk about those all the time and no one's ever asked me that question. So thank you, Isabel. Mm. I would love to answer that. <laughs> um, in the money storytelling method, we talk about money rituals. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage you to make a money ritual. This can be a money date if this is a partnership, right? Yeah. I encourage you to have a ritual where you can come and spend time with your money from this place where you are making space for all the junk and you're going to do it anyway. So when I teach people the money storytelling method and the money ritual framework that we use there, we always it has five steps. And we always start with the let money mindset, as we call it, because we want to let money work for us. It really is about being in that flow and that abundant place. I mean, we could have a whole tra- training just on the one, right. one thing, right? But it is about like, okay, I've got my past gunk and my past money stories. And I am just aware of what I'm bringing to the table today, right? You can have conversations with your partner when you're stressed. Just, you know, just, hey, I'm stressed, babe. So, you know, that's just coming at you today, right? Like we're yeah. going to make space for that. And so it's not that you have to always be in this abundant, happy, joyful place. Mm-hmm. It's more just, you just got to make space for what's really happening in your life and business. How can I just be in the flow of what's happening here, right? How can I let money work for me right now? Yeah. Then we want to move to mission, vision, values. Remind yourself of why you're doing this. Give meaning to that story, right? This can be as simple as read through my five-year plan, read through my mission, vision, values, of my business. Mm-hmm. Look at my vision board, like... I have clients who, when they design their money rituals, they light a candle, they clean, they bring pictures of their family to sit with them on their desk. Mm -hmm. Remind yourself the meaning of the story. Then go into the actual technical like bookkeeping, right? Because that's the business term, but it's just, okay, pull out the budget, pull out your bank statement. What did we actually spend on, right? Go back into that money mapping, that meaning building. Go back into, this is the map. This is where we were headed. This is the future direction we want to go, Right. Because we just did all this great mindset work. We just reminded ourselves of the vision. We just got some good data. Let's translate that and turn that into, this was our story outline. This is what really happened. How close did we get? Why are we not? Where are we off? Did we even like what we got, right? Maybe we hit the goal and it still feels weird. Oh, maybe we need to adjust the goal. Or maybe this feels great. How can I get more, right? But having that kind of reflection question time really brings this whole thing together, right? That's the first four steps. So five accountability, do something to make it real. Then you just had all this beautiful discussion. So do something with it. Mm-hmm. So either, either celebrate because you're killing it or call a friend event or, you yeah. know, change something about your spending plan, automate a savings account, something that's tangible and then repeat. So I use that word ritual because I struggle with the word habit. Um mm. I'm not a very, you might be surprised since I'm an accountant, I do all these things with money. I'm actually not that disciplined. Mm -hmm. I have learned to do this because I have to, because in order to have all of this abundant freedom and joy and all the things I really crave, I have needed this strong financial foundation for myself and a ritual becomes my lifestyle. It becomes Mm -hmm. tied to that deeply spiritual, emotional, relational aspect that comes up with our partners and with our money. And so by creating rituals for myself around my money, even if you know nothing about money and you just show up and you just read your bank statement, you're going to come from that money storyteller place where it's a little bit more playful. It's a little bit more creative. It's a little bit more curious. And you're going to start to learn more about money just by watching the way it flows in and out of your life. 
And then maybe you'll start Googling things you want to know more about. And then maybe you'll get curious about, oh, I did like this. Can I get more of that? How do I get more of that? Right. Or, oh, I really hate this. And this is this one specific area. Can I get that fixed? Can I get more support? Can I invest my money in a way that helps me? And you might start Googling that instead. Right. And so the more you do this, the more that my clients work their money ritual, the more they level up their own expertise, their own comfort, and their own effectiveness as wealth builders. The the conversations I have with my long-term clients who've been with me, you know, like five, six, seven years. Oh, they're so holistic and expansive. And we talk all this wonderful, beautiful technical stuff and it stretches my capabilities, but we still have the same basic mission, vision, values foundation, right? We still have the same basic. This is where we start. It's just that they've become so comfortable and they've grown in their own knowledge of their own money that they can ask all the hard, big, difficult questions of their you know, high-level business accountant. When we start, you really can start there and you're still going to get all the same benefit. It will grow with itself. It is about becoming the person who can show up for this, show up yes. for this with your partner. Yeah. Um, and so again, I, 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 know, I, I know we talk about it. it's so fun. It's so enjoyable. It's so expansive. It it's not always. It doesn't start there. And the benefit also the ritual that I didn't even hit on is that mm-hmm. if you are really, really, really stressed by this, if you're really triggered by this, you really hate this, it's really overwhelming. If you still create that ritual, one, the mindset work will make it easier. Two, it will be in a confined period of space and time. So if you have a regular ritual that is on your calendar or that you were just opening up space for, if you don't actually like time block everything out like I do, um, you don't have to stress outside that time. You already know the stress is there. My It's coming. My money's handled. I will show up for it. Then I don't have to think about it at all outside of this time. And I have a lot of clients, that, most of my clients, I think, start there. Is it's more that I know this is really stressing you out. Save it for your ritual. We're going to talk about it then. Okay. And right now, focus on all the other things that you would rather be doing. Focus on all those other experiences you want to go get. Your money is handled. It's going to be waiting for you. Come to your ritual time. So... That would be the one habit if if you if I had to give you one thing to work on, right? And it so beautifully ties to that conversations with partners. That is part of a money ritual right there, right? That can be the ritual if you're not running a whole, you know, business like my clients are, where they really have to show up for their money. You can do this as a household. So Oh, okay. So let's get into the nitty-gritty. How long would you say a ritual should be or could be to start? Mm. Does that matter? Yeah. So I would check in with yourself as you were determining this. I find that people kind of are on, there's a spectrum. So on the one side is my frequent and fast people. They like to make fast decisions. They get quick details and they just like go. So they are more likely to do this weekly and they're more likely to do this like in 15 to 30 minutes, right? Um, If you have a lot to manage, you probably will have a 15 or 30 minute version every week. Anyway, because you've got like all the different kids activities and all the different birthday parties and all the different, you know, like extracurriculars and snack rotations and, you know, like PTA meetings and all all the things, right? That takes 15 to 30 minutes and your money should be part of that conversation of like, well, okay, we got a budget for this and we need to get the nanny. Like that is part of it. 15 to 30 minutes to get it handled once a week, right? Yep. Um, And then on the other side is the people who like to do this with long chunks of time less often. And honestly, that's more me. I love being able to sit with my money and just dream and play and work through it. And so like, those are the people who really love to have an hour, two hours. And that can happen 
you know, quarterly, even if you're a household, right? I, I do once a quarter, a longer household one where I just like go and check up on my investment accounts. And I really just check in on them. Are you still following the plan I set for you? How are you doing? Right? Yep. And it, that doesn't even take an hour. Once a year, my husband and I will have like a bigger annual money mapping session where we might review the budget. We might talk about like different job opportunities or things like we might then have longer, deeper discussions as things come up in our lives that require them. This might actually go over several weeks, right? Where it's like, oh, we have to think, we have to research, we have to come back. Um, So that's the other end of the spectrum of like deep, long thoughts and works. Those are either as needed or if you do like that pace, maybe do this once a month then. Maybe once a week is just too overwhelming. So maybe do once a month for an hour to look at the whole weeks, months spending, all the different things, all the different tools, all the different stuff. So most people have some sort of mix of the two, like I said, um, and I really honestly would just pay attention to what feels good for you. Um, sometimes we might think that we're a quick and short and fast person and that isn't serving us and we're not getting the results we want. So maybe let's do it once a month and try longer, more time to think, more time to make space for all the stuff that's in our head, right? Sometimes quick and fast also means busy and we need yeah. to get slow down time, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're too much in our slow down time and you just need to show up and make some things move along, right? So. I I know that that's not a very clear answer, but I think that's a much more honest one is like pay attention to your energy as you do yeah. this work. Pay attention to the experience that you're having and be open to changing it. You get to invent your ritual. It's yours. It's so you ha- get more of what you want in your life. So how is it feeling? Are you getting more of what you want? No, let's tweak it a little bit. Let's try something a little different, right? I think that that's the pace of a, of a money ritual and the timing of a money ritual and, and, and it's in its honest practice as someone who's been doing it for many years. Well, it makes me think of planting a seed because when we plant a seed, before we plant it, we have to know what type of plant we're putting in the ground. Mm. We're not just going to throw any plant in the ground. So what I hear you saying is like, know what money story you're planting in the ground. Like what money story do you want to actually be taking care of, whether that's weekly or monthly or quarterly? Yeah. Because if you don't know, then you're just going to be watering weeds. So know what you're putting in the ground and then have a, have a watering plan and a nurturing plan. Yeah. yeah. That is such a gorgeous analogy. I think you really nailed it. Uh, yeah. Nothing to add. That's beautiful. Totally. That's exactly how it works. Well, then I'll also add, just like if you're planting, if you don't know how to tend to your plant, mm-hmm you're not going to be able to do it well. And so you have such a beautiful offering. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that so that they can kind of have a guide of like, how do I now nurture this thing that I've now know how to plant? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I would love to share. So I have a community called the Money Writers Room where um, business owners can come together and practice this. If you want to learn more about money storytelling, I've got some start here modules. So you can learn all the juicy details, right? But as you can kind of tell from listening to me, I can educate you all day long. It's really about implementation. So that's why this is not a course, but it is a community. And if you want to show up with other people, other like-minded individuals who are doing this work and are interested in writing their own money stories and learning more about money, getting to spend time with money experts and ask big technical questions, but also focus on like the emotional relational side, the regular ritual tending side, the the watering and the feeding and the learning about our plant side. Yeah. Um, 
it's a good space to come. So uh, if you are interested in that, you can um, head to katherinepomerantz.com and learn more about it. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. Catherine, do you have any last dangles you want to share with our listeners before we close? Oh, just gratitude for being able to have these conversations. I know talking about money is tough and any chance to do that and to show people it's possible and this might not be so big and scary and, and you can do it too. It's just, I love it. I love it so much. So thank you, Isabel. And thank you to all everyone who's listening because this has been a gift and I appreciate you. Truly, truly. Okay. This is a question I ask all of my guests. What is a next empowering action you'd like to invite our listeners to take that when they take it, they can then go find you or email you um, to let you know, I did it, Catherine. Help me celebrate. Yay. Yeah. I would encourage your listeners then to make a list of their personal values and then Mm. write down how money is going to help you get more of those. Start that money story for yourself and start that conversation for yourself of here's who I am as a person and here's how money lets me experience more of that. I think it'll fundamentally shift how you think about money. And I think it'll make all of those other technical conversations and ritual conversations a lot easier to start. So if you do want to email that to me, because I would genuinely love to see this. I would love to see this. My email is Catherine at bookkeepingartist.com. So thank you again, Isabel, for that offer. So generous. Yay. I can't wait to, to do that exercise. And you will definitely be getting an email from me to celebrate. Okay. Thanks, Catherine. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you. Today's episode was produced by Brendan Lindsay. Intro and outro music are by Matthew Randolph. I'm Isabel Bridges, author of Daddy Daughter Day. I'm also the founder of the Mother's Empowerment Sisterhood. You can learn more about my work and join the sisterhood at isabelbridges.com. I'm offering a 50% off discount for a limited time only. So check it out today, isabelbridges.com.